Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Cork Dairy Farmer, new president of Veterinary Ireland. The Irish Farmers Journal published Chagas report on incomes forecast for 2024, plus several other items. ICMSA National Dairy Chairperson, Mr Noel Murphy, says that farmers are losing patience as market improvements are still not reflected in the milk price. Uh, sure, John, I suppose, look, I mean, we've had a kind of a bounce in the markets with the last number of months, really, and I mean, since August, the Dutch dairy court there, which would be a, a kind of a metric of where milk prices have increased by about 10.5 cents per litre, but we haven't got any increase as such. In, in fact, some courts may have cut it a cent for October milk, and reality is that uh, where markets are, it's about 37 to 38 cents a litre, and we need to see some of that uh, bounce being passed back to farmers as soon as possible, uh, i.e. in the November milk uh, checks. So, I mean, uh, we'd like to see that happen as soon as possible. Lads have had a very difficult year, John, you know, I mean, with, with, with weather and with there's about 20 cents a litre cut off, cut off our milk price since the start of the year. Last year was a, a great year, record year uh, in recent so, uh, times. But at the same time, you know, farmers, the expenses are still there. And uh, I'd say in nearly all cases, they're going up. You might find every now and then something will go down a bit. But generally speaking, the inputs are going to cost you more every single day of the year. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, John, if we, uh, the, the, the Tagish had the input cost price out in their in their. Tagus over there last week, and um, for last year, for instance, 2022, it was around 37 to 38 cents. And the funny thing about it, this year it's still 37 to 38 cent cost, and they are not including things like depreciation and labour costs. So if milk price is at 35, 36 cents, then it is easy to do the math to know that it's below the cost of production at that, unless they are not making money as such. So I mean, that's not a position that's tenable and it's not a position that's sustainable from our point of view and that has to be that has to be passed back any any increases have to be passed back and that's what we're looking for we're looking for a substantial increase in the price going forward and in fairness if we look into the in, into next year we'd be hoping that milk would keep increasing in in, in, in price because the markets are going in, our, in the right direction and and, and there is uh, room there for, for price increases and we think they should be done as soon as possible. Have you had any meetings with the co-ops you supply? Yeah, sure. We've had a number of ongoing meetings with, with, with co-ops and, and, you know, when we go into boardrooms right across the country as we do on a regular basis, we always, our first priority is to try and get, a, to get the, 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 the processor whoever here may be, to pass back the maximum amount of, of, of money to, to, this, uh, to the suppliers as, as, as much as they can. Look, we all realise that there has been a challenging year and it's been a challenging year for both farmers and for processors and their balance sheets. We know, we understand that, may not be where they were before, but you know the balance sheet at the farm gate level is not where it was either or where it should be as far as we are concerned. So yeah, we, and we, we, will, and we will continue to engage with processors, of course, in, 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 on, on an ongoing basis. Now, you refer there to the Chagas figures and the situation there, mm-hmm. but, of course, Chagas did say, you know, they're forecasting and we have to see what actually happens, but Chagas have been forecasting that fertiliser prices will be 35% lower next year compared to 23 and the price of nitrogen declined significantly over the course of the year and maybe trying to 
look at some bit of light coming out of the tunnel, they say there might, Chagas say there might be a slight decrease in feed prices of 1%, but overall, bearing in mind the, the, the overall picture, you are really labouring to try and get some kind of a margin, no matter how tiny. Absolutely, uh, 100%. I mean, uh, look, I mean, when you are where, where, when we are where we are at the moment, and we, we do realise that markets, uh, you know, it's reflective of where markets were all along. But I mean, if we come on to talk about the input cost, and uh, look, I don't have a crystal ball either, John, but I mean, if you look at where we'll say feed costs are at the minute, and uh, you know, soy has actually gone up in price from 500 euros a ton to 600 euros a ton, so. Maybe feed cost, maybe it's been a bit optimistic to think the cost will come back. I don't know what it will or not. I would hope that the fertilizer cost would come back. Uh, do you know what I mean? Because the oil and gas prices have come down, which would be the basis of, of, of making some of the fertilizers anyway. And we would, we would hope that they, they would be reflective in the, in the, in the, in the spring of the, the cost of fertilizer. And hopefully ration costs will come back as well. You know, we, 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 we don't know for certain, of course. There is an article in the Irish Farmers Journal saying that farm incomes could rebound in 2024. You are saying that if there's a rebound, if there's a bounce in the milk price internationally, that must be reflected in the price that Cork and Munster and Irish farmers receive from their co-ops. Yeah, that's 100% what we're saying, and we, will, we, we, we always emphasize that point, that it's the base price of milk we say that's passed back uh, to farmers, that, that that has to increase. And if, that's, if, if the market is there and if the market is improving, which it is with the Dutch quotes, uh, gone up 10.5 centiliters since August, then that should be passed back as much as possible to farmers, and that's what we, we, we keep saying to, to, to processors and co-ops around the country. No doubt about that. And, I mean, if we look at the, we say, the Tagish, and they're, they're the 86,000, uh, we say, they're saying for next year average. I mean, look, averages can, you know, averages are averages, but at the end of the day, we must remember that at the moment, fellas are kind of losing money, if you like, and producing milk, so even next year, They'll have to make up that, and I mean, some of them, some of those losses will, of that, he, that that money will kind of have to feed back into this year to to, to bridge that gap as such. Like, so you you'd want to look at a five year a five year average really to know exactly what kind of an income lads they have. But um, it would be a positive thing, and we welcome it if it does happen that price goes up and then incomes go up. Of course, it'd be very welcome. Thank you very much That's for your easy. valuable time. I seem to say dairy chairperson, Mr. Noel Murphy. Thank you, Noel, very much. Thanks a million. Okay, thanks, John. Next, uh, Macra Radio Officer Laura Woods brings us the report from the Carberry region. Hello, my name is Laura and I am bringing you the Carberry Macra news. It has been a busy fortnight competitions-wise for Carberry Macra. Congratulations to Pat Canlan of Kilmeen Macra, who won the Carberry round of the welding competition and who went on to represent the region in the national final in Kilkenny. Inishanar Mocker represented the region at the National Bowling Final in Clare and Cora Mocker represented the region in the Men's Indoor Soccer National Final in Dublin. Well done to all. Bantry Mocker would like to thank everyone who supported their tractor run on the 26th of November. There was over 100 vehicles showed up and all proceeds will be going to Cork Ark and Bantry Hospice. Now for some upcoming dates for your diaries. Kilmeen Mockra will be holding a Christmas lights tractor run on Sunday the 10th of December. Registration is at 6.30pm in Tots Bar, Ballygartine. There will be a prize for best lights display on the night and all proceeds will be going to the Irish Cancer Society. On Wednesday the 13th of December, Ballinascarty Mockra will be holding a food appeal in aid of St Vincent de Paul. 
all non-perishable items would be greatly appreciated and can be brought to Ballinascarty Parish Hall from 8.15pm onwards. Keeping with Ballinascarty Mokra, to celebrate the club's 70th anniversary, they will be holding an anniversary dinner dance on Saturday the 20th of January in Fernhill House Hotel, Clonakilty, from 7pm to late. Tickets are €45 Euro and the details of how to buy them can be found on both the Banlascarty and Carberry Mocker social media pages or from club members. So as you can see, Carberry Mocker has something for everyone and with clubs located from Inishannon to Beira, there is bound to be one near you. So if you or someone you know is between the ages of 17 and 35 and is interested in joining or would like some more information, please contact us through our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. And thank you, Laura, for that report from the Carberry region. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr James Daunt, Dairy Advisor, Chagas West Cork, the Rarraga Clonkilty in the rest of the county. First of all, James, welcome to the programme. Now, very important... You have a number of announcements uh, regarding upcoming events, so would you please um, remind our listeners what these uh, important events are linked, I believe, in some cases to education. Yes, John. So I'd like to announce there that uh, Chagas will be starting a new part-time Green Sir course starting this December 2023 between the Mallow and Formoy Chagas offices covering all the North and East Cork area. This course is credited by QQI, Level 6 and Level 5. Apart from gaining all the agricultural foundation knowledge and most up-to-date practical technical skills and knowledge, the Green Cert is required for young farmers, stamp duty relief and farm succession. It is also required for young farmer department of agriculture schemes, young farmer TAMS 3, 60% capital investment scheme and women's TAM 3 capital investment scheme. Anyone looking to enrol in the course or looking for further information, please contact Noreen O'Ratley, the course coordinator, by contacting any Chagas office or contact Noreen directly on 87 James, would you please give uh, Noreen's number again to be on the safe side? The number again for Noreen O'Ratley. Yeah, so the contact number for Noreen O'Ratley is 87 that's fine. Now, James, as we're currently in the first week of December, our attention's drawn to dairy cow condition scores for next spring and, indeed, silage quality on farms as we face into the winter. Silage quality and dairy cow condition scoring go hand in hand to ensure a healthy cow for next spring. So, leading into our first question, what are the important factors on dairy farms currently? For your listeners, um, the important factors on dairy farms currently is drying off cows on farms and to make sure that um, farmers have, I suppose, look expected calving dates or expected pregnancy calving dates for next year. We should be targeting a nine-week dry cow period for mature cows. We should also be giving first lactation cows a 13-week period to help them gain condition over the dry coat period and to replenish the mammary gland tissue. Any other advice for farmers at this time of the year, going into December, in early December? Well, I'd be advising farmers to get their silage tested. As we know, with the difficult weather we got in October, it forced most dairy farmers to house cows and silage earlier than expected in normal years. Chagas recently surveyed hundreds of dairy and beef farmers to assess fodder stocks. 
and fewer than 10% of those farms had tested silage quality for the coming winter. This means that the majority of farms have had tons of feeding sitting in the yard with no information as to its feed quality. So I'd be advising people, talk to your advisor about getting silage samples taken and also about planning out their winter feed budget. Now, looking at the sample, getting a sample of your silage, how does one take an adequate sample of their silage? The best way, really, to do uh, a silage sample is by using a long core sampler, which is available in most checks offices and from other merchants as well. And the best thing is to take three to five samples from well-spaced points on or between diagonals on the pit surface. Alternatively, um, you can sample the open pit of a silage um, slab, take nine grabs and sample in a W pattern across the pit face. Also, too, you'd want to discard the top 100 millimetres of each core before mixing into the sample. And the final, the final sample should be weighing approximately 500 grams. Try to exclude all the air, seal it well, and post it off immediately. And as well, too, to remember, avoid posting samples late in the week, too, as well. But coming to silage quality, uh, what would be the quality standards that farmers should be aiming for when feeding silage? You hear a lot about DMD. Yeah, so DMD stands for dry matter digestibility. And it's the first thing that farmers should be looking at once they get their silage samples back to them. Look, at least 68-70% of spring calving dry cows would be okay on 78-70% DMD. 72-74% DMD for milking cows is adequate and for young stock. But then for cows then that have calves in the autumn, winter milking herd, they should be aiming for over 75 DMD silage for freshly calf cows. And then for farmers to produce good quality silage, it all comes back to growth stage of cutting and swore condition at closing. There are the main factors there by insider's DMD, so it's something your listeners should be targeting for next year again for silage cutting. Now, silage quality is by far the most important issue for the cost and performance of the winter diet for all the farmers. A simple cheap test will cost roughly €35 Euro per sample, which will give you a valuable information on this year's feed and good guidance going forward. Other criteria too as well to look out for, for farmers would be crude protein of about 12%. This would be adequate for dry cows, but your milking cows should be getting over 14% crude protein. Um, other matters then to be looking at then as well too for good preservation of silage as well is that your dry matter is about 24 to 28%. You'd hope to see silage uh, pH at 4 to 4.2. Um, ammonia less than 8% and ash content of less than 8% as well too. How do you actually measure your silage quality? The most accurate way, really, is you have to get that, that silage sample taken. Um, whether that's taking the core sample um, and sending it off then to a laboratory um, or even getting the feed phase. But the number one thing is get, just getting that silage sample taken. And until we get that sample back, you know, we're just, we just don't know what we're dealing with on farms. And we have to get that. That's the first thing, really. Now, what are the basics, James, of body condition scoring? So, body condition scoring, what would the basics be, the main basics? Yeah, so the main basics, John, is that 
you know, we're looking at the body condition score there of um, of dairy cows, and the herd average body condition score is it's not really particularly the most useful way to look at herd management. But when we're looking at body condition score, we should be looking at the individual cow and make decisions on a cow per cow basis. So I'd be recommending farmers to be reviewing their cows. Um, if you haven't been for testing or you're in for vaccinating, you know, put your hand over them and to be checking them to for body condition score. Um, like the body condition score, it's a very good indicator of a long-term energy balance issue on farms. The secondary factors too as well that can have an impact on it would be genetics, internal parasites, lameness, they can have all direct effects there too so that body condition score. Now, can we add anything else uh, for our listeners in terms of um, adding more information for uh, cow condition score? They need to have their cows in the ideal body condition score for next spring um, at calving though. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that we have our cows calving in spring there at a body condition score of 3.25. Now, to have this in plan, also be able to see our silage analysis too as well on farm and this will ensure we have less or over well, less of over conditioned cows on farm if we have cows that are over conditioned in spring they are at a higher risk of getting milk fever um, or ketosis issues too as well which is the last thing that we really want in cows there in spring and the other factor too as well John is if we have cows that are you know, under conditioned score as well these will produce less milk for lactation in 2024 and also will have fertility issues too as well. Now, even they're looking at some work there done by Chagas there. If we were to look at the silage DMD of 62% for um, for cows and there is some poor enough quality uh, silage coming back in there, especially from second cut. Um, even for a cow with an eight-week dry cow period there at 62% DMD, she will le- she will lose um, nearly a quarter of the condition score there on that. So, look, if you have cows on 68 DMD, they will gain about a quarter of a condition score over an eight-week period. If they were on 72% um, DMD, if this is for cows under condition score, they will gain half a condition score over that eight-week period. Feeding guidelines. Have you any feeding guidelines which you would like to give to our listeners, James? For silage dry matter intake, we'd see there normally that, you know, suckler cows that are dry would eat about 8 to 9 kgs of dry matter of silage per day. When they have calved down, they'll start off there at 10 to 12 kgs of dry matter. And we look then at our dairy cows. Our typical dairy cow that's dry will eat 10 to 12 kgs of dry matter per day. But when they, when they calve down, they start milking, they'll be starting off then at around 12 to 14 kgs of dry matter and typically that will increase by about 1 kg per week then after calving for the first 4 weeks the 4 weeks after that then about half kg more per week then um, weanlings then we would see that um, they would eat about, you know, animals there about 18 to 20 months old about 7 to 9 kgs of dry matter and weanlings themselves then so just under a year old about 4 to 5 four to five kgs of dry matter per day. So to summarise, if you could. Yeah, I think, John, look, the easiest thing really to summarise all that, like there's, there's a lot of information there now, but I think the biggest thing is just for farmers to get silage testing done. Like we have seen there from the, the Chagas review that 
only about 10% of farms have actually got that um, samples taken. So excised testing is crucial in farms. If you compare this to a farmer who purchases concentrate, you wouldn't feed a concentrate to animals without knowing its feed value or even getting a docket. So I'd highly recommend for your listeners to be getting excised testing done if it hasn't been done already. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. James Daunt, Dairy Advisor, Chagas West Cork to Raraclon Kilty, for joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme. James, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Thank you for your listeners too, love. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, we have Miss Hazel Mullins, highly qualified uh, veterinary surgeon. Miss Hazel Mullins, the incoming National President of Veterinary Ireland. First of all, congratulations, Hazel, on achieving this very high office. Now, your AGM took place recently, and indeed you can speak from the farmer's point of view because you have close connections with County Cork and farming in County Cork, I understand. Hello, John. Thank you very much for that introduction. Yes, I am a dairy farmer's daughter, and I've just gone into partnership also in February with my dad um, in Carrigan So I am a proud dairy farmer. Um, and also a proud a large animal vet as well. That's wonderful. Now, at your recent AGM, I understand uh, Minister Burke opened uh, the AGM, but would you outline to our listeners some of the main topics which were aired at the AGM? And, of course, I understand this is a very special week, Antimicrobial Awareness Week 23. So just to touch on some of the main topics which came to the fore at the AGM. Yes, so Minister Burke gave a wonderful speech highlighting all of the important work that uh, the veterinary profession uh, does in Ireland and the work that's ongoing every day. And as you mentioned, it was Antimicrobial Resistance Week, and it's a very important week in our calendar. There's lots of educational um, webinars and, and the like being put on by the department. And I suppose we've all, like I graduated in 2013, and antimicrobial resistance was a huge topic when I was in university, and I suppose it's been part of my uh, course since I, I since I graduated. So it, it's always been in the back of our minds. It's always it's always there every day when we're prescribing. Um, luckily, like we've been doing really well, Ireland is um, is doing really well with their reduction of antimicrobials. I think the the target Minister Burke also highlighted this was five percent per annum. But I think we're we're nearly at a 26% reduction um, now compared to 2020 levels in Ireland of antibiotics. So it's a super progression in the right direction um, for the Irish veterinary um, industry. So yeah, and also he also remarked on how we're protecting animal health and welfare. Um, again, with prohibition on ear cropping in dogs and also um, welfare concerns about certain types of breeds, such as flat breeds, etc. Um, but the, um, he also mentioned about the changes in legislation and how that is going to be a changing world within the veterinary and farming community over the next um, next year and how that we all need to work together to make sure that uh, it's a smooth transition for the changes and that each, rep- each sector is fairly representative. EU legislation, how will that affect farmers? Could you say something to explain to farmers how all of this is being done with a view to protecting animal health, human health, one word being on guard against antimicrobial resistance and indeed as a dairy farmer you'd be aware one of the impacts of AMR antimicrobial resistance is selective dry cow therapy. So just a word or two, how the new EU laws 
would affect farmers but not necessarily interfere with their um, treatment of animals? Yeah, so I think the, the new EU regulations come into, have come into place um, and they are there to protect both um, animal welfare, human well, you know, animal health, human health and welfare in the one health bracket. So reducing antimicrobial resistance in the animal population will correspond to reducing antimicrobial resistance in the human population. So it's a really, really important um, step that we do. For farmers, it means that no longer um, prophylactic use of antibiotics is prohibited. So that means a blanket dry cow treatment. So it means that um, only animals that are infected require an an antibiotic tube, um, say in the dry cow process. So it would mean that any cow over 200 you know, uh, cell count would be classed as infected. So it's working with your vet to pick out those cows that are actually very clean and they don't need antibiotics and that to ensure that you're making, you know, hygiene a real priority on the farm as well to make sure that when there's no antibiotics there that not new infection is going to cause um, any more, you know, harm on the farm. So, look, it is a big step. Um, it is in place already for the antimicrobials there is other um, regulations coming in with the anti-parasitics. And again, the changes are there to protect the, the welfare of the animal and making sure that resistance to anti-parasitics as well isn't going to take over. Because in some parts of the world, no, anti- no anti-parasitics work and then farming is very much affected. And we need to protect the medications that we have, the dosing that we have, and make sure that they're used correctly. So this is why that a prescription from your vet, um, making sure that it's used in the correct way, at the correct time, and at the correct dose is essential. And we are told that uh, tens of thousands of people die globally from mm-hmm. infections, simple infections, because resistant germs have taken over. And formerly where you were able to treat uh, certain kinds of infections in humans, not just animals, in fact, even a scratch, if you don't have an antibiotic that works, well, then this is a threat to, to human health, and it's in all our interests. We would tighten up and reduce certain types of remedies. For example, with selective dry cow therapy, in the old days, people would dose all their cows or double dose them to be on the safe side. Whereas, as you've said earlier there, Hazel, you've pointed out that only those animals needing, only animals over a certain SEC count would be dosed and all the other animals um, would not be dosed. So eventually, hopefully, you might find very little need to be dosing cattle as a result of the implementation of a selective dry cow therapy. Exactly, John. And it's it's also confidence and it's talking with your vet and working out what what cows can only, will be very eligible for sealer-only treatment or ones that are needing the sealer and antibiotic treatment. So it is working with your vet. There is a dry cow consultation that you can sign up to with Animal Health Ireland. There is a lactation consult if you're having, um, you know, trouble in general with mastitis on your farm. So there's lots of help out there to help farmers get through this transition and, you know, make it successful on the farm. There's plenty of farmers out there that have been using selective dry cow for many, many years, and it's a, been a great success. But it has to be done right, and it has to be done in coordination and conjunction with your vet and advice, and not just, I think, some farmers 
um, perhaps maybe, you know, treated less, like, did you see her only on too many cows at one stage and maybe didn't consult with their vet um, and, you know, things can go wrong then. So it really is uh, a two-way process of, of communication between your, the farmer and the vet to make sure this all works. And it can work and it has been shown to work, but it just needs to be done in the right way and hygiene needs to be top class as well and it should be you know we need to be preventing these infections on farm we need to be reducing the antibiotics and then this is also going to be benefiting you know to human health and we all need to be if we if we're getting antibiotics from the doctor for ourselves we need to be taking them correctly and making sure we're finishing the dose and when we're dosing our animals with antibiotics using antibiotics from the vet we need to be treating the animals in the correct way that the vet has prescribed as well so it, it all um, you know, a combination of everything that will reduce the antibiotics and reduce antimicrobial resistance. Very important. Ireland would uh, retain the image of a food-producing country, a safe food-producing countries. We look to some recent figures announced for 2022, a massive 19 billion euro in Irish agri-food and drink exports. And that has to point to the financial value of having a healthy livestock and a good reputation and again another honour or status heaped on Ireland the PGI status uh, that our beef certain beef would be grazed most of the year outside not on feedlots yeah exactly we have a wonderful agricultural industry we need to protect it and we need to make sure that going forward that we were able to hold our head up high and say that we are doing all of these things um, within the law and within, you know, with European regulations and we're succeeding. And it just shows, like, with the figures that are already out there, um, it shows that we're actually, like, surpassing um, what we need to be doing. So it's brilliant. And we, we it just shows that farmers have, you know, embraced these changes and it's nothing to be scared of. Um, and it's, again, confidence building and also... It's just a, it's a great story, actually, how we've, we've succeeded so far, but there's a lot more to go. Insurers would keep that reputation for clean food, etc., leading to that massive 19 billion euro figure for exports 2022. Exactly, John. Just to mention mm. the outgoing president, your predecessor, about what was achieved during mm. the office of the outgoing president of Veterinary Ireland, Mr. Paul McDermott. Paul, I took over the role from Paul McDermott um, as president of Veterinary Ireland, and I am, it was an honour and a privilege to um, take on the role from such a, a wonderful man, um, a wonderful vet, and he is has made a real impact over the last year in, in the role. He organised a um, conference, uh, the Future of Veterinary, uh, which was held in Tullamore, and it was uh, held specifically for the smaller interest groups in Veterinary Ireland, the local authority, education, research and industry, and the state sector. And it was a fantastic success, so I think it's going to happen again next year. So that's a real legacy of Paul. Um, and also he brought... He, organised roundtables event for the members of, of Veterinary Ireland um, to discuss matters and make sure that we were all uh, working together. It's fantastic. And he's, yeah, he's, he's really left a, a very positive mark on the organisation and I hope to continue his good work um, in, the, in the year ahead. 
Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme. Ms Hazel Mullins, highly qualified veterinary surgeon. Ms Hazel Mullins, the incoming president of Veterinary Ireland. Hazel, thank you very much indeed and good luck during your presidency of Veterinary Ireland. Thank you very much, Hazel. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Miss Rachel Donovan, news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. Rachel, first of all, welcome to the programme in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 2nd of December 23. Farmers' incomes set to rise in 2024. You have a very extensive article there. Yeah, John, so a bit of positivity on the horizon for farmers in 2024, following a very tough year for a lot of sectors, particularly the dairy and tillage sectors, but... You're talking about a 30% increase um, on the average farmer's income in 2024. So this is an average farm income of 32,200. So you're seeing increases there um, across all enterprises, um, but I suppose this is particularly driven by increases in tillage and dairy sector, which seems huge, which is all huge losses last year. The income on tillage se- in the tillage sector is, is expected to increase by 67%, bringing their average income up to 50,000 and the dairy sector then are expecting to see a 46% increase in their income bringing their their average yearly income up to 86,000 so that's an increase from 59,000 this year up to 86,000 next year so I suppose the reason that the dairy sector is set to take such a jump um, this year was a, a particularly bad year for milk prices in comparison in comparison to 2022 um, but but they were down they were down in around the thirty cent per litre mark. So they're expected to see um, a ten percent rise in twenty twenty four, bringing them up to around forty eight cent per litre. Now that's including including VAT and actual solids. So it's it's a big boost, and I think a lot of dairy farmers will be will be um, glad of this, and and it's definitely a positive outlook for next year. Um, I suppose in terms of of tillage incomes, the, the increase there is is on the back of increased cereal prices this year. Like they really had a a double whammy of poor prices and um, poor yields this year. So um, cereal prices are expected to jump by ten percent next year, the same as milk price. That's definitely going to be a positive thing for for both of those farmers in both sectors to look forward to. Fertilizer is set to decrease by thirty five percent. Now a lot of that decrease was already seen this year. Um, we saw fertilizer fall from a thousand euros a ton down to four hundred euros a ton, but I suppose that drop came too little, too late. It came after farmers had all the fertilizer bought. Um, a lot of fa- farmers bought fertilizer, say this time last year in the back end, and paid very high prices for urea and can and different compounds. And I suppose even into spring, it, it remained very high. So that drop. Um, will will be seen when it came down there. That the, the biggest impact of that will be seen next next spring when farmers go to buy their their big bulk of fertilizer. We also see the feed prices are set to drop by about one percent. So feed and fertilizer are farmers' two biggest inputs, like especially dairy, um, suckler, beef finishers. Um, th- those sectors um, they're they're huge uh, huge input costs for those. And there's also talks of green diesel to come down by 9%. Now, obviously, all these are, are forecasted by Chagask, um, by Chagask econom- economists, um, but I suppose the outlook in general is looking that bit more positive for next year um, compared to what 2023 brought. Well, certainly dairy farmers should draw some comfort from those uh, 
positive forecasts, but at the same time, at the back of every dairy farmer's mind, or certainly any reasonably substantial dairy farmer, getting access to land, because with the nitrates uh, derogation, with the way that's gone, the 250 is out the window for a lot of people. Good forecasting for dairy incomes, but at the same time, the challenge, threat and sword hanging over dairy farmers in terms of herd size. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose there's around 2,000 farmers, John, that will be directly impacted by that cut to the derogation, which we learned last week after uh, the Commissioner for Environment of the the Commissioner's visit um, to Ireland that Commissioner Sinkovich that there would be no leeway. And I suppose essentially he poured cold water on that um, possibility of any flexibility around keeping the derogation up at that 250 kilos of nitrogen per hectare. So it was. Those farmers, um, those 2,000 farmers, are going to be directly affected by that come January. And I suppose um, it will it will be either a case of trying to find more land, export their slurry, or essentially cut cow numbers. So it's definitely it's going to be a tough year ahead for those farmers. But I suppose um, across the dairy sector, you know, they'll definitely be looking for for a higher milk price to, to ease the ease those burdens. And certainly we've had the ICMSA Dairy Committee chairperson uh, saying you know, they definitely need a price. But just uh, to round up then, speaking to Miss Rachel Donovan, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, looking at your full-page analysis of the future, and you have a sector analysis, beef, dairy, sheep, tillage. Looking at page four, your Chagas analysis, you do have a sector analysis, and you point out in great detail beef, dairy, sheep and tillage, how the future lies for them. Well, thank you very much indeed, Miss Rachel Donovan, News Correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Rachel, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks a million, John. You're very welcome. We're joined on the farm programme by Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme. You have some results for our listeners and I think you're going back now over a couple of weeks. So an update on recent uh, ploughing events. I have two sets of results because I missed the slot last week, so um, I had nothing on radio, but we'll pick it up from there and we'll start with Go Through, which was held on the 19th of November. And these are the results from Go Through. Uh, the senior open, first, Morris Walsh, second, Michael Hannon, the two for a hydraulic vintage, first, Tom Bozang, second, Phelan Cotter, and third, Henry McGrath. And the single for a vintage, first, Trevor Fleming. The vintage classic, first, Damien Ahern. Under 21, first, Geoffrey Witcherly. And uh, Farmer S, first, Orla Hayes. Three for a novice conventional, first, Killian Tate. And the three for a match, first, James Pendergast. Second, James Murphy. And third, Jimmy Barris. The two for a reversible, first Perry Harrington and the Marktville class, first Stephen O'Connell. Those are the results from Gotro, which was held on the 19th, and we had a lovely fine day and a lovely field. Valley Field was on the 26th, and I'll give you the results from there. First, in the senior open, Kieran Coakley, second, Gerard Kirby and third, Joe Toomey. The intermediate, Jackie O'Driscoll, under 28, first, Jamie Hayes, 
and second, Noel Nyhan. Uh, under 21, first, James Jennings. Farmer S, first, Ellen Nyhan. Democra, first, James Stoker. The Classic, first, Damien Hearn. The Vintage Hydraulic, first, Tom Bozang. Second, Phelan Cotter. And third, Henry McGrath. The Single for a Vintage, first, Trevor Fleming. The trailer, Vintage Trailer, first, Anus Horn. Second, John Wolfe. The Three for a Match, Conventional. First, Matthew Coakley. Second, Jim Barris. The Three for a Reversible. First, Patrick Welsh. And second, Patrick Buckley. The Two for a Reversible. First, Lima Driscoll. And second, Teddy Harrington. Um, now, there was a hostless on there in Bellyfield. First, under 40, Jeremiah Delaney. And in the senior, JJ Delaney. Now, there's a, a number of local classes on this day. So, beginners first. Um, for beginners reversible first, Charlie Dunnigan. Second, Keen Quinn. And third, John Quinn. The local ladies, Nolik Harrington. And the three, four for a first was Simon Cooney. So, those are the results from Valley Field on last Sunday, the 26th. And today... The match for Bartholomew has been brought forward by one day, such as on today, um, on the lands of Pet Pine, Rat Carmuck, just uh, up the Glenville Road from the village, and a very definite let me aim start shout because of the, the weather is not forecasted to wood. And Pat Pines in Rat Carmuck, for his kind permission, on today, the 2nd of December. Entry on the Glenville Road, 11 a.m. sharp start. So that's it, John, from the plowing scene. And hopefully we'll be back with the results from Bartholomew. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Plowing Association for that roundup of events and including events taking place on today, Saturday, 2nd of December 2023. Philip, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Thank you. You're very welcome. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to all our guests on the programme and our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, Head of News, 96FM and C103. Mary Tuig for creating the regular Farm Talk podcasts. A very special thank you to the listener for tuning in. The Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, 7am to 8am Saturday mornings and repeat on Wednesday evenings, 10pm to 11pm. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.